Hey everybody, and welcome to the Harvest Community Church Podcast. We hope this message today brings you encouragement and inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. If you ever have any questions or you want to learn more about us as a church, you can always check us out at harvesttn.com. Enjoy the message. I want to share a message today called The Power of a Testimony. The Power of a Testimony. And um, this may... This can have a couple different benefits. It can benefit you uh, this Thanksgiving. It's going to give you something else to talk about besides politics around the, the Thanksgiving table while people are throwing uh, drumsticks at each other. And I'm talking about the kind with the meat, you know what I'm saying. Um, testimony is a powerful, powerful thing. A testimony is that you're able to tell what Jesus has done in your life. And sometimes I think we underestimate the power of that testimony. Some people think they don't have a testimony, and we'll discuss that in a minute. But I think the most important thing is that we understand today that, that I want to leave you with is, is that, that every person who knows Jesus Christ, you have something so powerful inside of you that when it comes out and when you share that there's a power in it beyond what you know look with me at mark chapter 15 or mark chapter 5 we're going to ver- look at verses 19 and 20 well, let me let me set this up first so you kind of understand what's going on in this verse jesus has gone into a, into gadaria uh he has When he got there, and this was his whole purpose for going to this one location where there was a man who was so demon-possessed that uh, Scripture said he had a legion of demons in him, and that varies according to what people think, but we're looking at a thousand-plus demons. This man was so demon-possessed that he had no control over his own life. They had to actually put him in what they call the tombs. They had tried to lock him up, and he would break the chains. But he lived like a wild man. At night, he would howl. And, and the, the people who lived in the area, I'm sure, it was a frightening time. But that's what they knew of this man. Jesus, in his love and compassion, realizes that this man is here, of course. And he goes across the sea to meet this one man. It's amazing to me how often the Lord puts us in places and he meets us in places that we we don't even know that he's coming. But he says, I want to meet you. I want to know you and I'm coming to meet you. And he came to meet this man, a man that society had discarded, a man that society had ruled as unimportant. But yet Jesus saw him as so valuable. Jesus saw him as immeasurably valuable, no matter what anybody else thought. And so Jesus goes across the sea. He meets up with this man. He delivers this man from his demons. He is set free. The man puts his faith in Jesus. He wants to go with Jesus now as he's on the boat getting ready to go back to the other side. And that's where this conversation picks up. Jesus tells him, you can't go with me. But listen to what he says. Jesus did not let him, didn't let him get on a boat to go, but he said, 
Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in Decapolis, this was a large region in Decapolis, how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. And if you read, if you study the history on this, the Christian history, there was a, uh, what we would call today a revival that hit that area. So many people had come to faith in Jesus, and it all started with this one man. A revival hits this place. Multitudes come to know Jesus, and it wasn't because the flashy preacher with his big giant tent comes and sets up in town. Nothing wrong with that. I'm, I don't mean to sound critical, but it wasn't because the preacher came and set up his tent in town and said, we're going to have a great revival. It wasn't because the church said, we've got a new outreach program and it's going to for sure change lives. It was because one man who just experienced life change in his life with Jesus went out and began to tell other people what Jesus did for him. Y'all going to bear with me? I don't know what's going on. I cried all the way through the first service and I thought, surely I got it out and here it comes again. One man just goes, just goes to share the power of a testimony. Not, not all the things that we think are going to bring people to... This one man went and told another man what Jesus had done in his life. And a city is changed. Look at this passage in, in uh, John chapter 4. We're going to look at verse uh, 38 in just a minute. This story, I'm going to set it up for you. This story is the story of the woman at the well. Many of us know the story well. She has had a rough life. She's been married five times, and now she's living with the sixth man. She's searching for something that she's not finding. She's searching for a love that will fulfill her soul, yet she's not finding anything. She's thirsty for this thing, but everything she's trying to quench the thirst with is leaving her looking and continually. And Jesus comes and begins to talk to her about a water that she could drink that would cause her to never thirst again. What he's saying is, honey, you don't have to search any longer. And you don't have to keep going through men because the man you're about ready to meet is going to change your life and rock your world. And this lady put her faith in Jesus Christ in this conversation with him. And she, as she put her faith in him, she turned around and she went back to her town. And this is where this verse picks up. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of this woman's what? Because of her test, because she invited him to church? No. Because she preached a fancy sermon? No, because she started a great ministry of outreach. No. <laughs> Said like you were thinking, mm, maybe, Lois. No, let's just stick with the word. 
because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. This is Jesus. And he stayed there with them two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. And they said to the woman, and I love the, the progression of this, they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves. Now, we, we became interested because of what you said, but now we know him ourselves, and we know not. Uh, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Amen. Samaria experienced a revival. But it wasn't because the preacher came and set up the tent and started preaching. It wasn't because the local church said we're going to have a revival meeting. It wasn't because somebody started a new outreach program. It was because one woman who had her life changed by Jesus went out to say this is what he did for me. There's power in a testimony. And when I look back and think on my life, I'm trying to figure out how, how, I ever got, how would have I have gotten saved if it had been dependent on me attending a church service. This boy would, have, would be in hell right now. When I begin to think about the few times as a child, and some of you, I'll, some of you this is not new, um, but I, I, I never tire of sharing it. We, we, we need to share what Jesus has done. And as a boy, been in church, I could count the number of times on one hand, you know, and some of those special things, but we were not churchgoers. Through my teen years, I didn't go at all and had no desire to go to church. And had it been dependent, um, had church attendance been dependent on whether I was saved or not, I would have died lost without God because I had no desire. And here's what was in my mind at the time, and I'm not telling you that this is the way it was in every church. I'm just telling you from what I remembered as a child and just the way my mind worked, I had no desire. I did not want to go and spend, waste two hours of my life in a boring church service where they're singing boring songs that leave you more depressed when you leave than you were when you came in the door where the preacher's going to tell me 40 times that I'm going to hell and I already know I'm going to hell so I don't really need that and I had no desire where where people are going to sing about the love of Jesus and taking the love of Jesus to the world, and yet many of those people sing it. I'm just telling you this was in my mind. I'm not saying it was true, but this was what was in my mind. I saw those people as hypocritical, judgmental people who were standing there singing, but were some of the most hateful, mean, judgmental people I ever met in my life. Why would I want to waste two hours of my life in that? So... I decided at that, I have no desire to go. On December 16th, 1981, uh, well, my birthday's on December 16th. Just, just saying. <laughs> just saying. And I'm at that age where I'm starting to go backwards now, which is an awesome thing. 
On December 16th, um, 1981, my 16-year-old cousin died of leukemia. I had seen people die before. That was not what got me. It was her testimony. She had been a believer for a long time. And I watched a 16-year-old girl dying of leukemia say, It's okay. Jesus is in my life. And I watched her face one of the most horrible things with a peace that I could not even describe. And I'm sitting back and I'm listening to the testimony and I'm watching what's happening. And I'm, this, this is starting, it's getting to me. And at that moment was the first time that I remember any inkling of, of a spark of light starting to get through to me. Because you see, had you started talking to me, about, to me about inviting me to church, boom, my defenses would go up and I would give you all the, the, the things, the hypocrite and the boring and the judgmental and the hateful and I would have given you all that stuff. You wouldn't have got past my defense that I already had set up. Had you started talking to me about uh, heaven and hell, my defenses would have already been up because I already knew I was going to hell and I didn't like to hear people tell me I was a sinner. So, uh, all of a sudden, I had, but, but somehow, something got past my defenses. Something got past my defenses, and it was a testimony. It was the testimony from a credible witness of what Jesus Christ was doing in her life at that moment. And she was not afraid to die. I was scared to death to die. The thoughts of death frightened me. But she was not afraid to die. That got in. And suddenly, I had this interest in this Jesus that I had never had before in my life. Where is it coming from? I don't know, but now there's something going on. Let me give you a pointer here, too. If you ever share your testimony, don't ever go by what you see or what you hear from people when you share it. Because what people say and do on the outside and what's going on in the heart can be two totally different things. I was, at the moment that I was starting to think more about Jesus than I had ever thought in my life, I was sinning harder than I ever sinned in my life. And it seemed like the closer I moved this way, the harder I went this way. And so everything that I was doing increased and, and just I got worse, worse and worse. After the first of the year, it would have been January, January 1982, I was working, uh, working with the father of a friend that I went to school with. The friend's name was Gary. The father's name is Keith. As I was working with Keith didn't think about the, the, the last names being the same because I didn't know they went together at first. Gary was, uh, was a schoolmate. About a year earlier from the moment that I'm talking to his dad here, about a year earlier, Gary had OD'd severely on drugs and, and almost lost his life. But I, hadn't, I heard that he made it through, but I hadn't heard anything else about him. His dad began to share with me when I discovered that it was a father-son. I said, how's Gary doing? He said, he's doing fantastic. He said, 
And ultimately, it was because somebody shared a testimony with him. He said he, he's, he got saved. He's walking with Jesus. His life is radically changed. And not only that, he said, but he's become a preacher. And he said, do you want to hear him? And I'm thinking, no. <laughs> but I'm saying yes. I'm thinking, I don't want to hear any preaching. I don't like preachers. I don't like church stuff. He's joined the other side. Because even though I was thinking more about Jesus, I still didn't want to go to church and didn't like church and didn't like church people. And so he starts to play him on the radio and I'm listening and all of a sudden I hear him sharing his testimony. And so now I've got the testimony of a 16-year-old girl that got past my defenses. And I've got the testimony of a father and what happened to his son that got past my defenses. And because of this situation and that relationship, I listened to the son who had been a friend of mine and, and, and the Spirit of God just began to work on me. A couple things happened. I talked to another friend. This was up closer to February. I talked to another friend who told me that he had gotten saved. I'm thinking, what's up with this getting saved stuff? You know, it sounds like everybody's getting saved right now. And the only thing I knew about getting saved was if you're, if you're drowning and somebody keeps you from drowning, you got saved. If you're in a burning house and somebody gets you out, you got saved. That's all I knew about what getting saved was. I didn't really understand this, this need for spiritual salvation. And so another friend of mine, um, and, and, and some of you may even know him, uh, Greg Bowman, uh, he sang with the Benton family uh, for, for years, married one of the Benton girls, and uh, pastored a church, but this was early on. And Greg had, had talked to me about getting saved, told me he was singing in a gospel, uh, singing gospel music. And, and um, I mean, I wa you know, it's great as a friend thing. I wasn't that excited about gospel music. I preferred ACDC, Led Zeppelin. You know, I had my preferences. Gospel music was not my thing at the time. And... Um, he said, well, I'm gonna, they're going to be playing my stuff on the radio and tell me what day. And so um, I turned the radio on on this day, hoping to hear it. It was February the 9th, 1982. I turned the radio on and I started listening and there was Greg singing. And he had a good voice, but it wasn't just that. I saw the change. I saw what God was doing in his life. And as I listened, I just wept. I just sat there and cried. Because I wanted that. But I didn't know if I wanted to trade off the other stuff. I wanted that, but I didn't know if I wanted to give up some of the things that I'd been doing. I sat there and cried. And at the end of the song, the DJ that was playing the song came on the radio. And he said, he said, I just really feel like, and I, this could have been a coincidence. I don't think it was. I think it was my heavenly father looking up there and saying, bud, I got my eye on you. And it's your time. radio announcer or the preacher that was doing the thing he said I feel like somebody out there right now 
has been wanting has been wanting to get saved. Feel like the Lord is dealing with your heart right now and He's inviting you into the family. And all you have to do is pray. Believe on Him. Pray and receive Him into your life. And at that moment, I wanted that more than anything in the world. And I pulled my old hippie van off the side of the road and I prayed. And I didn't know how to pray. I hadn't been in church to learn the sinner's prayer and all that stuff. But I knew what I wanted. And I knew my life was getting worse and worse. And if it kept going the way it was, I probably wouldn't live long or I'd spend my life in jail or something horrible. And so I prayed and I just said, Jesus, save me. And I don't know why he's done this today for me, but I'm feeling the emotion that I, that I felt that day. When I prayed that prayer, it's almost as if I were there. I felt a weight of sin. Guilt. Shame. Just come off of me. And it was just like the love of God just settled on me. I can't explain it. But my life was forever changed. I'm not going to tell you that I've lived perfectly since then. I know we're flawless people. But the object of our testimony... The, the reason we have a testimony, He is perfect. He is the perfect one. And though I love Him and I want to be, I want to walk with Him as close as I can walk with Him, I'm, I'm going to mess up at times and I've messed up many times, but this never changed the fact that I want to walk with Him. And He always has walked with me, never left me. What is your testimony? It's powerful. It's powerful, I'm telling you. Your testimony is powerful. Decapolis experienced revival because of the testimony of one man. Samaria experienced revival because of the testimony of one woman. I'm standing here today because of the testimony. Not a sermon. Not a church because of the testimony of a few people who had their life changed by Jesus. And many of you are here today because of a testimony. There's power in that testimony. Don't ever say, but I don't have a testimony because I've never done a lot of bad stuff. I remember a young man sharing that with me one time, and he said, I wish I had a testimony like yours. This was back when I was young. I first started preaching, 
and I shared my testimony. And at that time, uh, which I wish I had known better then, but was not as wise, but I shared all the gory details of uh, a lot of the gory details of my sinful life, hoping that some people would not get into it, only to find a young man who's saying, I, I wish I had done some of those things so I could have a testimony like yours. And I looked at him and I said, I wish I had your testimony. You know, there are struggles in my mind that I would never have to deal with had I, had I not gone down that road. I wish I had your testimony that you lived a good moral life, but you saw that even you needed Jesus and you accepted Jesus in your life, and now you don't have to deal with some of the things that I have to deal with because of that life. You have a testimony, and it's powerful, and it can be life-changing for somebody else, but when you share it, there is something that happens inside of the one who shares there is healing that happens inside of you. And when we repeat these testimonies, we pass what God is doing and has done in the great acts of God, not only in our life, but in Scripture. We pass that down from generation to generation for our children and their children's children to hear. And they know that Jesus is more than a curse word or something you say when you get mad, but he is a life changer. And that's what we get to pass along. And, and yes, we share about Noah and about Moses and about David and about Abraham, and we should and should do it often because they need to know the great acts of God. But they need to know that God is not confined within a book and, and, and in history, but he's so very present now. And we can share what he's doing now, his power now, his love now, his forgiveness, full, complete forgiveness. We can share it now. And watch people experience that now. And it can happen all through, all through something as small as a testimony. What is your testimony? What is your testimony? Some of you here today are saying, Bud, I hear you. I've heard your testimony. Thank you for sharing it. But I don't have one because I've never trusted Jesus Christ. I can't tell people about what Jesus has done in my life because I've only been around believers. I could tell you the testimonies of some other people, of people I know, but I just can't tell you mine because I don't know Him yet. You could be like the people in Samaria and you can look at those people and say, you know, I first started believing because of your testimony, but now I met him. I know him myself. I've got my own testimony. Life in Jesus, complete and full forgiveness, no, no guilt, no shame, the mercy of God in my life, full acceptance and embraced in his grace. No matter what anybody thinks about me, my identity is a son. No matter what anybody in this world thinks about me or who they say I am, my identity is as a loved son of God and nothing can ever change that. Do you want to start your own testimony through starting your own relationship with Jesus this morning? 
I hope you will. I hope today is your day. And before we pray, let me say this. Some of you are saying, but bud, you don't know my, my life's a mess. I've, I've I messed up in so many ways and my life is so screwed up right now. I don't have a testimony. Yes, I, I'm saved. I know that. But I've made so many mistakes and I've done so many things wrong. I have no testimony. Let me tell you something. You have a testimony. Your testimony can be my life is so screwed up because of decisions that I have made, maybe decisions some other people have made. But here's what I want you to know. The same Jesus that saved me has never forsaken me. He's been in the midst of the fire of every trial that I have ever faced and he has not forsaken me and I am still breathing and walking today because of him and even though my life is a mess, he is still real, he is still powerful and he is still love. That's a testimony. Would you bow your heads with me for a moment? If you're here today and you want to say, but I want to begin today by receiving Jesus Christ. I want to have my own testimony. Would you raise your hand? I want to receive Jesus in my life today. I'm not coming to you. God bless you. I'm not coming to you. We'll pray right here. I'll give you an opportunity in a minute if you want to come up, but you don't have to. You can pray from right where you're at. Anybody else say, but today is my day. My testimony it's not going to be like yours. February 9th, 1982, my testimony is going to be on November the 17th. 2019, I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I began a relationship with the wonderful counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father with the Prince of Peace. Anybody else today want to just raise up your hand and say, today I am receiving Jesus as my Savior. I'm receiving Him now as we pray. Anybody? For those of you that raised your hand, church family, I'm going to ask you to do something. Would you pray out loud with me as I pray? for them and with them. And if you're praying to receive Jesus today, it's, it's, your, it's, it's your sincerity. But I'll help you with what I didn't have help with. I'll help you with a prayer. But it's really got to be the sincere prayer of your heart that opens to that. Church family, if you would pray out loud with me. Lord Jesus, I receive you into my life today fully, completely. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin. My heart is fully open and I receive you as my Savior and my Lord right now. I am born again, a child of God and a part of the family of God. In Jesus' name. Mm. Can we celebrate? <laughs>
that we have new members in the family. It's all because of Jesus. We're going to stand and sing. But I want to invite you while we sing. Some of you may just feel like, you know what, I just need to, I just want to go up front and pray. It's just a, a, a special moment, a special time. I just want to come up there and pray. We're going to invite you to do that if you'd like to while we sing. Why don't we stand and let's praise the one who changed their life. And then let's take our testimony of what Jesus has done to this world. Thank you for joining us today. If you've enjoyed listening, be sure to hit the subscribe button and rate and review the podcast. Thanks again for joining us and we'll see you again next week.